0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Let's start with supply and demand and the pandemic. California has a pretty healthy supply of COVID vaccines right now, but demand for vaccinations appears to be dropping, and that worries public health officials. In Los Angeles County, when it comes to filling appointments, county-run vaccination sites are down 50% this week. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer speaking at a news conference yesterday.
4: We've seen a significant drop here in L.A. County of people getting vaccinated, and it's very worrisome, very worrisome. This would not be the time to sort of lose momentum on vaccinations.
0: Ferrer says this will likely be the first week in which the county has not administered 95 percent of the doses it's received, but she says the county has seen improvement in getting vaccine doses to Latino and black communities in recent weeks. With so many appointments going unfilled, many California counties are offering people the chance to get a shot at walk-up vaccination sites that used to require an appointment. More cities and counties are also focusing efforts on mobile clinics to get vaccines to communities hit hard by the pandemic and it's now easier for older teenagers in los angeles county to get the shots kpcc health reporter jackie fortier has more
1: 16 and 17 year olds can now bring a consent form signed by their parent or guardian and get the COVID 19 vaccine at los angeles county run sites before the adult had to come in person la county health officials say it's still better if the parent or guardian can come but the consent form allows flexibility for working parents There are 41 school sites in L.A. County giving the COVID shots next week. 16- and 17-year-olds need the Pfizer vaccine because it's the only one approved for their age group. A parent or guardian just needs to print the form, fill it out, and send it with their teenager when they go to the clinic. LA County health officials say about a quarter of eligible teens have received their first shot, but as with adults, teens in lower-income areas are getting the vaccine in smaller numbers. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Tomorrow
0: is May 1st, or May Day, and immigration rights activists in California and across the country are planning marches to call on Congress to legalize millions of unauthorized immigrants in the country. KQED's immigration editor, Taiki Hendricks, reports.
1: May 1st has long been a day to celebrate workers, but 15 years ago, in the face of a punitive immigration bill, it became the focus of massive pro-immigrant marches nationwide. This year, in Los Angeles, Chicago, D.C., and other cities, rally organizers say they're pushing for lawmakers to give undocumented immigrants, including millions of essential workers, a way to at last become legal U.S. residents. Angelica Salas is the director of the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights in L.A.
5: May 1st celebrates immigrants, but it also
1: protests the fact that
4: for 35 years, This country has welcomed our labor but refused our humanity and the path to citizenship that we deserve.
1: Salas says she wants Democrats in Washington to pass President Joe Biden's immigration reform bill, if necessary, using a budget reconciliation procedure that needs just a simple majority of votes. For The California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks.
0: The big day is finally here for Disneyland in Disney California Adventure. The Anaheim theme parks are opening for the first time in more than 13 months after closing due to the pandemic. Gavin Doyle is a longtime Disney enthusiast who started the website MickeyVisit.com. He tells the California report plenty of restrictions will still be in place, including capacity being limited to 25% for now.
2: Masks are required for all guests, as well as the attendance currently is limited to California residents only. That, of course, could shift in the future. But for right now, because Disneyland, you're inside, you're outside, it's a a full experience of a day. uh, The mask requirement remains in place.
0: Most of the park's rides will be open, though some are closed for pandemic safety reasons. Costume characters won't be giving out hugs either, but will be posing for pictures from balconies and from stages across the park. Doyle says the reopening isn't just important for Disney fans and the thousands of employees who work at the parks, but also for the entire city of Anaheim, which relies so heavily on tourist dollars coming in.
2: So many hotels have been closed for over a year. I actually just checked in to the the Best Western Stovals, and the Best Western Stovals has not served a guest since March of 2020. We're the first people staying back. And when I checked in, seeing the look on the face of the front desk manager, her saying, welcome back, almost coming to tears.
0: The park ended its annual pass program earlier this year, but the president of Disney Resorts announced yesterday that a new program is in the works and is expected to debut later this year.
5: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
0: Let's turn to the environment. California's underwater kelp forests are in trouble. A combination of climate change and hungry purple sea urchins have decimated these vital marine habitats. But the Monterey Peninsula has a kind of kelp forest guardian, sea otters. As KAZU's Erica Mahoney reports, new research out from the University of California, Santa Cruz, is highlighting the otter's role.
3: Sea otters are adorable. They have big eyes, wispy whiskers, and dense fur coats. Even their sounds are cute, as captured by the Monterey Bay Aquarium. But beyond all that cuteness, sea otters are important to the Monterey Bay's ecosystem. Notably, defending kelp forests, which are home to over 800 different animal species. Forests that are already in bad shape. Standing near a beach on Cannery Row in Monterey, Josh Smith, a PhD candidate at UC Santa Cruz, describes what the kelp forest here looked like just a decade ago.
6: The canopy would have spread out across this entire little bay right here that we're in. And so right now what we're seeing is a very patchy kelp forest.
3: That motivated him to research the role sea otters play in the complex story of disappearing kelp. The story begins around 2013. That's when the number of purple sea urchins skyrocketed after a disease wiped out one of their main predators. Urchins devour kelp. The declining forest was further weakened by warming waters, a symptom of climate change. Kelp needs cold water to survive. The result? Northern California lost 95% of its kelp forest in under a decade, The Monterey Bay area fared better, only losing around 60 percent.
6: One thing that our study has shown is that having predators like the sea otter are really important in helping to buffer this ecosystem from change.
3: The Ph.D. candidate says sea otters are slowing the decline of the local kelp forest by eating up urchins. In fact, three times as many as they used to. To collect data, Smith spent about 300 hours underwater along the Monterey Peninsula. He also worked with scientists from the Monterey Bay Aquarium and the U.S. Geological Survey who used telescopes and rangefinders to record what sea otters were eating and where.
6: One thing that's great about studying sea otters is they consume their prey at the surface. So we can watch an otter dive down and we can record where it came up and what it came up with.
3: The team's findings were recently published in the journal, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. They found that otters ignore urchin barrens, areas where urchins have overgrazed kelp to the bare seafloor. The purple creatures there are starving, often called zombie urchins. Instead, the otters focus on foraging the healthy ones in the remaining patches of kelp.
6: Because sea otters are targeting urchins in these forests, They're helping to maintain the remnant patches of kelp forest that we actually have from overgrazing by sea urchins.
3: Otters live between Santa Barbara and just north of Santa Cruz. Further north from Otter Territory, urchins have no predators. And that's possibly why the kelp forest decline is more severe in Northern California. Tristan McHugh, who works for the Nature Conservancy, is trying to find solutions.
4: In Northern California, we don't have otters, we don't have lobsters, we don't have sheephead, we don't have sunflower stars. That really puts the pressure currently on humans to fill the role of that top predator.
3: The Nature Conservancy is exploring several innovative ideas, including urchin trapping, to pull the spiny creatures out of the water. It's also launching an experimental kelp farm. The pilot project is scheduled to begin this spring in Humboldt Bay. As for the Monterey Bay, sea otters keep urchins with an insatiable taste for kelp in check, something Dane Durand, who manages the Aquarius dive shop in Monterey, definitely appreciates. As he fills up scuba tanks, he says the kelp forest draws people from all over the world.
0: So we get people from England and all over Europe. I just had somebody from Iceland last week. The kelp forest is something extremely special here.
3: From supporting the local economy to removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Luckily, the local kelp forest has guardians. Guardians that play a larger role than just looking and sounding cute. For the California Report, I'm Erica Mahoney in Monterey.
0: And now for a preview of our sister show, The California Report Magazine. Last spring, KQED health correspondent April Domboski met a contact tracer who was just starting a new assignment, tracing COVID infections. April asked the tracer to keep an audio diary about her experiences. And on this weekend's show, we'll hear excerpts from a year's worth of entries. Here's April with more.
7: Lisa Fagundis is usually a librarian. She works at the main branch of the San Francisco Public Library. But last spring, she was redeployed to help with contact tracing. She was excited.
5: I was like, holy crap, that's Epidemiology 101. It's going to be awesome to help, like, tracking the virus. This is fascinating to me.
7: But as the months go by, as infections surge in the summer and the winter, Lisa's diary entries become more emotional, more frantic.
5: Uh, This is Lisa Fagundes reporting June 29th. Today we had 16 pages of contacts. It's like almost 200. Hello, this is Lisa Fagundes. It is June 30th. We had a lot with 20 pages of contacts. It's just getting crazy busy. Uh, This is Lisa Fagundes reporting on July 1st. Uh, It was a very hectic and stressful shift. I don't even know where to begin. It was just so busy. These
7: recordings are revealing and personal. You can hear in real time how the pandemic changes Lisa, how it picks her up, twists her in all directions, and drops her on the other side, just like it's done to all of
5: us. Uh, this is Lisa Fikandis. Um, I think it's August 6th. I don't know, last week was like a dark cloud, and this week it's like, okay, we can do this.
7: Lisa made her first contact tracing call on May 1st, 2020. On May 3rd, 2021, she goes back to work at the library. Her journey over the past year is our journey, too. For the California Report, I'm April (laughs) Domboski.
0: And that's the California Report for this Friday, April 30th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening,
2: and have a great last day of April. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. And California Healthcare Foundation. Ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care on the web at chcf.org/slash voices.
1: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine.
2: Every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
7: I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California.